You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy, 40 Strategies Built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized businesses and organizations by designing world-class strategic plans, but more importantly, help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. Typically, we work individually with companies and organizations and entrepreneurs, but we have now designed a group course called the Captain Strategy Program to help lead through our seven-step process to help you be more effective. To learn more about that, go also to 40strategy.com. I'd like to do a bit of a shout out to J.M. Ryerson, who from Let's Go Win, he was the person who connected us. He's a wonderful person, great man, very inspirational. You could catch him on all the different activities done. He's really big on LinkedIn as well. So feel free to check out J.M. Thanks, J.M. for the recognition to Jay. Uh, Jay Nixon is an accomplished speaker, author, coach, mentor whose mission is to disrupt the health and fitness industry. His responsibility is to cure obesity by focusing on the real issues, getting people off the diet roller coaster. He's the owner of Thrive Fitness Studio in Palm Desert and the creator of the Thrive Forever Fit Flex Transformation Program and the Hero Academy. Jay, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thanks for having me, brother. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Now, we had a great prep talk as we were heading to this uh, several weeks back and just really excited to have you officially here in the studio, so to speak, in our Zoom sessions. So, Jay, why don't you give a little bit more detail about what you do on a regular basis, how, how you're making a difference in the world? Sure. Um, currently, I own, like you said, I own a physical brick and mortar um, fitness studio in Palm Desert, California. I have a online transformation, human optimization coaching program called Thrive Forever Fit Flex. I also have my own um, supplement company. I've spent a lot of my former, or I'd say my youth was spent in the world of supplementation and pharmaceuticals and, and the medical world. So I've got that company as well. I've written a couple of books. And, and like you said, my mission is really just to help people live their most optimal life. And if I can put a dent in the obesity epidemic that is you know, overarching, you know, in the world that we live in today, that would be a a beautiful, you know, thing for me to be able to contribute to. So I'm curious how you got into this. So go, go back a, a little bit yeah. more of your roots. You know, you talked totally. about these different companies that you've been involved with. You know, how did you get into this entrepreneurial life to begin with? Yeah, you know, I'll give I'll give you the the quick version of that because it's it's a pretty lengthy story. But I've always been really fascinated, even as a, a youngster, with the human body. I remember I grew up in a really small town, and so my mom would we'd go like forty five minutes away to the, to the local mall, 
And I remember even as like a you know seven, eight, nine, ten year old, I would just go to GNC and I would read magazines and I would read nutritional labels and. I was just fascinated with the ability of, of the human body to perform. And as an athlete, that really, you know, that helped me transition into, um, I played football um, all the way into college. And then I just knew that I had to do something with my life that was involving the, the body or biology or something like that. And so, you know, as early on, I thought, well, I'll just be a doctor. Like this would be the, that's the only path that makes any sense. And then once I got into that path, I realized like, listen, I don't want to be in school. Like I'm more of a, I'm more of a practitioner than I am a, someone who just wants to learn about the art of practicing. And so I realized that like, I needed to do something that was going to get me further faster and into that world. And so I got a degree in nursing, um, did that for a couple of years and realized that that in and of itself wasn't even complex enough for me. Like I was looking for more of a faster paced environment in a, in a place that I could really, really help people. So I transitioned from that, went into the world of supplementation. I worked for the largest nutritional supplementation manufacturers in the world, moved from there into the pharmaceutical world, which is just like the next likely transition in that, in that realm. And then kind of realized, you know, as I got into my late twenties that I was doing a bunch of stuff, but I wasn't purposefully doing anything. Like I, I, I achieved the, the, you know, the company car, the, the six figure salary, the title, the business card, the wearing a suit every day and all that jazz, but I was very unfulfilled. And I even looked at what I was doing in the pharmaceutical world. And I said, you're selling things, you're promoting things that you would never even take yourself. You wouldn't even recommend that your mother take these. And so there's some incongruencies with what you're doing. It wasn't, it wasn't because I didn't have the right intentions. Like I thought I was doing the right thing. I think in, in our 20s, we, we can often be misguided by, you know, bright, shiny objects. And my shiny object was, you know, I grew up in the in that era of like, you need a corporate job. You need to work for a massive company. And so I was working for GlaxoSmithKline at the time, one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world, but I wasn't fulfilled. And so I just started my transition at that point of realizing that, I still wanted to affect people's lives, but I wanted to do it in a really positive, powerful way that I felt good about. So I left that world, started consulting for the NFL. I worked with um, the NFL alumni. So I would go to all of the, the chapters that the NFL retired players were part of, and I would educate them on the benefits of proper nutrition, proper movement, proper you know um, supplementation for you know, pain management and things of that nature. And then I realized that was an awesome job. I mean, I've, I've played golf, had a cocktail or had dinner with pretty much any football player that you and I grew up watching. I mean, you name a player from Terry Bradshaw to Dan Marino to John Elway to Emmett Smith. Like I've, you know, I've done, I've done that. I've played golf with them, had drinks with them, had dinner with them, which was cool but I still wasn't fulfilled. And I, I finally realized like, as I was moving through that realm that like the only way I was ever going to like get this passion really going and get my purpose really fulfilled was that I started doing my own thing, started my own personal training business. And I've grown it into, you know, what we stand in today, which is, you know, I've got three or four different verticals and, you know, all, you know, several different companies and, you know, it's just all worked out magically, man. And I get to do something on a daily basis that I absolutely love. That's the that's the coolest part of it all. 
there's a lot to unpack there. I know I just like gave you a, I gave you a massive amount of information. So let's unpack and play with that however you want to. So I want to talk about this from a strategic perspective for a minute, because I love it how, once again, you, you first learned your trade, right? You, you, you went back to actually as a young person, right? Young kid, you started reading and learning. So you had this kind yeah. of early passion, went into learning, teaching, ultimately became a nurse at one point, then got into these different businesses, right? Supplements, then you moved on and then you got to pharmaceuticals, right? So you you actually learned for a good decade, right? Like plus yeah. about, about the business, so to speak, you know, about health. So you had a really strong foundation. But then I'm curious as you went off and you started going on your own and, and, you know, that's a big, scary jump, right? When you go Massive. and you take that, you know, you have that, um, you just talked about, it. you have the business suit, right? And, and you get the the company car and, and you got the six figure salary and you're just yeah. like, Hey, it, 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 in a way you could say life doesn't get any better than this, but you were like, I'm not fulfilled. Right? right. So how did you get, how did you have the courage to leap to, to actually go away from your safety yeah. into this, whoa, I'm an entrepreneur now and there's no steady paychecks coming in. Great question. And I would say courage, fear, all of those things, you know, coupled together were what kind of drove me. I've, I'm, a, as you can tell, kind of like based on my, the lineage of, of, I'm kind of a grower. I'm kind of a, Hey, this is the, this is this now. And then like, what's the next step? What's the next step? And it's, on paper, it looks like I went from this step up here to a step way down here, which in the beginning I did. It was really a transition of, of faith and hope. But I'm, I'm really big into like human psychology, personal development. And I think that was one of the pieces that gave me the, I mean, I don't even know if you'd call it bravery or stupidity or whatever it was. <laughs> At the time, it felt like a whole lot of all of those things, depending on what moment of the day you caught me in. But I just knew internally that there was more for me. And I knew that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing because there was really, in my brain, I'd, I'd peaked at the level of what was next, right? What, I mean, I could have gone into medical device. I could have like, you know, I could have continued on that lineage of working for somebody, doing something else. But once I realized that I wasn't going home at night and feeling like purposeful and passionate about what I was doing, I knew there had to be something else. And I'd always, my fallback was always fitness, nutrition, like, like training myself. Like, you know, I would, I'd get up at three o'clock in the morning and I'd go to the gym before I'd start work. And, you know, I ate very, I'll call it like regimented. And I was really into that. So I think it was the coupling of when I started getting into personal development, like reading personal development books about like, Hey, you know what? There's there's not a limit to what you can create. And I think that gave me the the psychological fortitude to give it a chance. And when I walked away from that that well, we'll call it, you know, professional career and became a personal trainer for lack of a better term. And, and I got my personal training license when I was like 17 years old, only because I was just fascinated and I'm like, I want to learn as much as I can about the human body for my own self. Like I never even wanted to train anybody. I'm like, I don't want to be a trainer. Like that's, that's, I mean, that's beneath me. You know, I just used air quotes there. Cause that was my, that was my immaturity talking. Cause I didn't even understand that what I could turn that into. So I walked away from, you know, six figure salary, all of that stuff 
And I started my personal training business in the broom closet of an acupuncture clinic. And I'm barely joking. I'm talking like I could touch both walls if I stuck my hands out and there was room for me and one client. And fast forward to today and I have a you know thriving studio, clients all over the world. Like, And I didn't see, and most people were like, oh, well, you must've been able to visualize all this. Like all I could visualize was getting that next client to come in and allow me to personal train them for 30 minutes. I had no concept of what it was. So I, a long way to answer that story, but I believe it was my belief in myself and my own psychology to know that if I stayed where I was, that I was never going to truly live the fulfilled life that I believed that I was born to do. Great answer. I love the concept how you talked about of, of once you decided this was the most important thing for you to do, and then you just focused on the one client at a time, right? You know, yeah. it's like, let's the bare minimum, you, you know, you clearly, you know, you're not making that much money, but then you found oh. this opportunity within the NFL, right? Which, which yeah. of course, there's a bit of money, as we know, in the NFL, right? So that probably yeah. expanded opportunities. But then you went further and then you got to this point of now you have these new verticals. So has that been organic? You know, you mentioned you didn't have a vision around that, yeah. but now you have definitely more of a vision, I'd say. You have this, this broader perspective. So when in your journey, how long did it take for you to, what I'd say, think a little bit more strategically about, hey, I think we have this new vertical we can now yeah. approach and, and add value into that market? Yeah, I'm lucky. One of my one of my core values is to be like just like a lifetime learner. So I'm consistently trying to um, figure out like what is it that I can learn from any scenario or situation, good or bad. Like, and so what I did is I I stopped and I I kind of like reflected back on all the things that I learned from those different things that I had done, from working in the medical world to the supplementation world to the pharmaceutical world to the NFL alumni. And it wasn't necessarily the tactical things that I had learned, because I learned a lot of business-related things, but it was the psychology of the, the people and the places and the things that I that I got to expand upon. Because I think, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I was lucky enough, just based on just sheer will, to put myself in various different rooms with different levels of people with different belief systems, with different talking patterns, language patterns, and things of that nature. And I think once I got into my own business, that was one of my, that was my strongest positioning was my own psychology, is I knew that for me, I believe that success is 80 to 90% psychology and 10 to 20% mechanics. Like you can give somebody the, I, I could give, I could give somebody the greatest nutritional profile, follow this, and you'll be the healthiest person on the planet. But unless their psychology is ready to undertake or, or take that upon themselves, they'll fail every single time. So what I realized is my strongest attribute was actually my psychology. And I had used all the adversity that I'd gone through early in life. Like I believe one of my strong suits is my father was killed when I was five years old. And I've actually used that and instead of a crutch, instead of a, from a victim perspective, I've actually, I've actually used it as my, my superpower because there's very few things that you can throw at me that I don't feel like I can handle. I don't get, I'm not easily rattled. Like my significant other, Lori, will tell you, she's like, I've never seen somebody in a time of stress be as calm as you are. 
And it's because I've, I grew up in a super chaotic, super stressful scenario. So I learned how to manage that. And so stress doesn't bother me. Like being uncomfortable doesn't bother me. Like adversity doesn't bother me. I look at adversity as simply an unanswered question. And so I ask a lot of questions of myself and of my surroundings. So long way of answering your, your, your question is, as I got into the training mechanisms of it, and I realized that the only way for me to build clients was just through my ability to communicate. So I started communicating at a really high level with everybody that I knew. Pretty soon grew my, my training business. But as, as you know, like we've, we've kind of expanded upon, that was never going to be enough for me. And my significant other, Lori, at the time was like, you can turn this into whatever you want. And I kept, I kept hearing that in my brain is like, you, this can be whatever it wants. And I've never wanted to be normal. I've never wanted to have what other people have. I've never, any of that stuff. I've always wanted to be like different in those perspectives. And so I just, I kind of went back on some of my skills. I spent so much time in the supplementation world. I had so many relationships that I just leveraged those relationships and said, called all my friends and all the people that I had made relationships with and said, hey, I'd like to create my own supplement. So I started with one supplement. And I had this idea, I'm like, I'm going to create this supplement. And so I called all these people, went to all these conferences, met a guy who owned a manufacturing facility that I did not know, hit it off with him. And we became great friends. And I got to start creating my own supplements. What it would have cost the a person off the streets would have been $100,000. He's like, you're a cool dude. He's like, let's work with my team. Let's do this. And it's, I've had a relationship with this, him and his lab for like almost 20 years now. And, wow. and then I'll, 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 I'll shut up in one second. The, the reason I, I've created this, what I would call like a, I mean, a you know, multi-million dollar company is I realized there was a missing piece. There's trainers everywhere. There's diets everywhere. There's programs everywhere, supplements everywhere, but nothing was really sticking. And so I decided that I was going to take my love for personal development and my love for the human body, my love for psychology, really. And I was going to couple those two things together. And so I created a program that was not only I'll teach you how to eat, I'll teach you how to work out, I'll teach you about supplements and food and all those things, but I'll teach you about your own psychology and why you're doing the things you're currently doing and how if we shift this, all this is going to work way better. That's why I wrote my first book, The Overweight Mind, is because I realized that it had nothing to do with the mechanics of, of fitness, nothing to do with the mechanics of nutrition. It, it wasn't until I got the people to change their mechanics of their own mindset that the weight loss actually stuck, that they actually got fit and stayed fit. And so it was the coupling of my loves for psychology and my love for fitness, nutrition, and all those things. And I just married the two and nobody else was doing it at the time. And I'm like, this is different. I love being different. So let's rock and roll. See what happens. And I've turned it into, you know, something pretty cool. So now let's go into the details of, of the mind that you mentioned. Yeah. Right. So um, you talked about when we, we were doing our prep conversation, you were saying, you know, one of your challenges, right. Is seeing individuals who are struggling, right. With their weight, you know, seeing people out there who for whatever reason are stuck, you know, in, in their situation. And it, and it kind of kind of hurts you internally, right? You have oh, this, yeah. you, you, you hate to see it. You know, it's this, this, from your perspective, you have this passion of how can you help others out? So what are the key principles in the mind that are holding people back of 
let's say somebody's 50 pounds overweight, just as a, as yeah. an example, what's holding them back mentally that is causing them, regardless of their diet plan, regardless of their exercise plan, they keep going back to that 50 pounds overweight. And maybe they go to 60 pounds overweight after they lost 20 pounds, right? Because yeah. they, they react, go through that. What, what have you learned that's required for people to overcome in their mind to get to their new stage in life? Yeah, and I'll, I'll answer the first question first. Is I believe the reason I feel the way I feel, I call it like aggressive empathy. I think a, a lot of people have empathy for people who are struggling. I have that same feeling, but then I have this like craziness that I have to do something to try to help it. Um, so I, I don't know if it's because I'm just a natural fixer or whatever that is, but the reason that most people that I work with are stuck is because of a it's because of the psychological story of some fashion that they're that they're living within or that they keep telling themselves right and so most people would say well you know this so-and-so is stuck in, in the past right there's a past trauma and that trauma could be anything that trauma could be a death it could be a divorce it could be a childhood trauma it could be anything like everybody's trauma is individual but it all manifests itself in like i'll call it like for lack of a better term, like personal abuse. Like we will abuse ourselves in certain fashions. Some people do that with food. Some people do that with alcohol. Some people do that with drugs. Some people do that with other just nefarious things that they do that aren't conducive to a, to a beautiful life. And, and they'll believe that they're stuck in a past story. But if you're really stuck in your past story, it's actually your present story, right? Because you're, you're living inside of that every, you know, at, at, all, at all moments. So you take that, you take that story that is that is initially caused them the grief and the trauma and the pain and the adversity, and then you just take regular life and you stack that up on top of it, right? And then you take the adversities that, that we go through on, on the daily, and it builds this, it builds this multi-dimensional like building, if you will, on top of their goals and their dreams. And then it becomes little micro psychological reasons why they stay stuck. It's the breaking of promises to themselves, right? Especially in the world that I live in. Everybody that's overweight would like to lose weight. I mean, I, I would say if we if we had 100 people that were overweight and we said, raise your hand if you want to lose weight, at least 99% of them are going to raise their hand, right? But that's not enough because just the desire to do it you have to, you have, because you're going to marry that with the fear of change. And one of the biggest things that human beings will avoid at, at all costs is change. Even if where they're currently at is not where they want to be, they'll stay there because they know the outcome. And when you give a human being like, and see, this is one of the reasons why I say that I use that adversity back in the day as my superpower is because I'm comfortable not knowing what the next step is. Because I trust myself enough to know that I'll figure it out. Like I'll get to where it is. Most people don't have that self-belief. And that could be for a variety of reasons. It could be because they've been, you know, they've been told they're not good enough. And now they believe they're not good enough. They believe they'll never be successful. They believe in and it's always predicated on back on some. And I use the word trauma, but that trauma could just be an, an adverse event that they've they've now attached a victim mentality to that they can't get over and they can't get through. So how do you unwind that, right? Yeah. How, so let, let's just say for whatever it is, um, somebody was told by 
their father. I'm just making sure. up a story here. Yeah. They were told by their father they weren't good enough, mm-hmm. right? And so as a result, consistently, just consistently not being told they're good enough. And then as a result of that, they have absorbed that into I'm not good enough. And therefore I eat to overcome my stress. Right. And 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 so they get stuck in this prism. Yeah. So so how just using that one sure. simple example, right? Which isn't that simple, right? When how do you unwind? How do you get people somebody to go, that's no longer true? Right. Well, first of all, you have to get them to admit and, and become aware of that that's the reason that they are where they are. And so it's it's a multi-dimensional, you know problem that you're trying to solve because when somebody walks through my door when somebody gets on a zoom with me or that they they never show up and tell that story they're like hey jay i'm, I'm 50 to 100 pounds overweight my dad was kind of abusive to me did, treated me like crap i don't have very much self-confidence therefore this is why i am where i am i mean if they showed up and did that it would make my world a whole lot easier because then i could just dive right in and be like okay here we go they show up and say i don't know what's wrong i don't know why i do what i do Right. And so it, it there, there's a level of trust that has to be that has to be created initially. Right. And so I always say that I use fitness and nutrition as a as a means to get somebody into my world. And then if I can get you into my world and I can get you to to see that empathy and to see that I do care and to see my purpose and my passion and all of those things. And I can get you to trust me enough to listen to me. Right. And know that I have good intentions then I can get you to start to unpack that. Because when somebody comes, like the question that they have is never really the real question they want the answer to. Like always, when somebody comes and say, Jay, well, I don't know what to eat. If I handed them a piece of paper with five questions on it, and it was a test. And if they got all five right, they'd get $1,000 and they could leave and never see me again. I'd be broke. Every person would get the $1,000 because that's not the problem, especially in this day and age. Like there's no lack of information. In fact, in fact there's probably too much information. And so that allows people to get overwhelmed and they get stuck in the vortex of I've got all this info and now I don't know what to do with any of it. So to go back to that question, I've got to get them to initially trust me enough so that when I start asking them questions and that that's where that's where my psychological and, and mindset and, and all of that comes into play is that I've got this really bizarre ability to figure out what the problem is before they even tell me what the problem is. And I've done that just through being able to listen. If you listen to somebody talk and you just pay attention to the words they use, cadence, like rhythm, like body language, the whole nine yards, I can tell when when somebody has a self-esteem issue in the first three minutes of of a conversation. And I can also begin to unpack who that self-esteem issue is generally related to just based on the language patterns that they use and where they go. And so I once I get that trust, I start asking, you know, deeper questions, right? And so it's through the unpacking of the, the questions and the trust that you can actually get when somebody admits that, you know, hey, this food's kind of my weapon of choice. And I, you know, because they'll say things like, well, I eat when I'm stressed, or I eat to comfort myself. And so what I don't do is I don't allow people to make statements that don't have validity. And so when somebody says, well, I'm a, I eat because it, it comforts me. Well, then I unpack that. Well, does it really comfort you? And then we unpack the, the problems that that comfort is now, it's created, a it's, it's actually discomfort instead of comfort, right? So you, I just have to get people to start to think differently 
And then it's, it's a process of getting them to speak differently first, then think differently, and then I can get them to act differently. Like I can't get somebody to change their behaviors until I can get them to change their language, until I can get them to change their, the way they think. And there's just the awareness they have around the scenario and the situation. So every person's different, um, but there's a list of like the awareness of, of why they are where they are and the acknowledgement of that, because until they acknowledge it, they'll never be able to overcome it. Right. And so it's the acknowledgement that I can get them to, to make that then we can start the process of, okay, now you've acknowledged this scenario. What can we do now to get you to move forward and get you to move past that? So getting them to see that they put themselves into this position by allowing somebody else's, you know, and, and I, there's a whole myriad of just different training techniques and, and, and things that I use dependent upon the severity, dependent upon the person, you know, because not everybody's the same. It's like, I look at this as like coaching a football team. I can't coach the center the same way I coach the wide receiver, the quarterback, the defense. Everybody has a different personality and a different way and mechanism of coaching. Some people you can be really brutally honest with very quickly. Some people it might take six weeks, six months before you can actually get to the root cause of where that, you know, where you are in that. But I use a lot of um, of mindset, you know, training that I've just, you know, learned over the years, especially I call it personal development more than mindset. Like I get them to try to see things differently so that they can start to think differently, speak differently, act differently. And then I see them. And then once people get around people that want to think differently, right, then you start to you start to believe that maybe this is possible. Right? So I get them to believe in my belief in them before they before they can believe in their own belief in themselves. So that's that's one of the metrics that I try to get people to see. So I, I if I was discerning this properly, there's first this understanding of what. Right. And then and then they have to think about what's taking place. And then they have to speak differently. Well, and then most, they can start acting differently. Is, is well, that well what, what it is is patterns? most people know what the problem is, right? But they've buried it. They've buried it so deeply that they don't want that. They don't want to acknowledge that that's the problem. They would love to just, they would love to just say like, listen, I'm addicted to, um, you know, cookies. Like that's, you know, that's, that's the easy way, right? Like that's the easiest, that's the easiest thing to do. And some people you can never get past that. But the people that are going to have real long-term success with their weight and with their life, like I look at weight loss as a side effect. Like I don't even, I don't even believe that the Weight loss is not what I'm doing. That's not my primary motivation for anybody. My primary motivation is to get you to believe that you're worthy of living the life that you desire. Because most people who are 100 pounds overweight aren't living the life that they truly desire because it's holding them back in more than just the, the, weight, the weight world. It's holding them back financially. It's holding them back in relationships. It's holding them back just in all, all facets, physicality, being able to play with their kids, their grandkids, whatever that might be. So if I can get somebody to start to, to look at their life differently, then they can lose weight easily, like with no problems. But it, until then, you're going to struggle because they've got to be able to get the awareness around the ability to create a new story, right? And that's where most people get stuck is they believe that they have been maybe predetermined that my life is supposed to suck. My life's supposed to be hard. My life's supposed to be that. So I do anything and everything possible to get them to see that 
that's just a belief system that can be changed. It can be altered. Like you've got the ability to create new neural pathways every single day. And so just by showing them that there's a different way that they can be, do, and have anything they desire, as long as they're willing to make some changes and do different things, it really starts that simply. And what, when I said that I get them to, to talk differently, that's the easiest entry into the, into the, the world of change. Right. If I can get them to start using certain language, because you'll notice, I mean, you deal with this. Like if you've got somebody who is in, you know, like in, in financial or in business trouble and they're not thriving, they're going to use different language than somebody who is making millions of dollars and their systems are in place. They're, all those things are in perfect alignment. The, the person who's in struggle mode is going to use words like, well, I can't do that. And I can't do this. That doesn't work for me. Carl, that, Carl, that won't work for me. That nothing works for me. Like, and so I have to get them to stop using that language to begin with. And then they start to see that like, well, things aren't as bad as I thought they were. Because people always come with a story that's way more robust than it actually really even is. And when you start piecing that story and taking it apart, they realize that, well, this isn't that complex after all. Like this is going to be easier to solve than I thought it was. But as a human, we have the ability to, to make something very minuscule. And we, it's actually one of our gifts. We like to make simple things very complex because the more complex it is, the more outs I have, the more reasons I have for not being successful. Because I can say, well, look at this. I needed, Jay made me get an abacus. He made me get a sundial. He made me get all these tools to lose weight. And like, I don't even talk to them. The fir My first three or four conversations, you'll never hear the word scale. I don't even ask them about food. Like I ask them all these like psychological questions and they usually leave like, what just happened? Like, I know that was very different. And then we start to get into the world of, of food and all the reasons and all the makeups of all that. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of a, a long-winded way of saying that it's a complex issue. It's a complex scenario for a really simple problem. So the more I can simplify that for them, the, the better results that they're going to have. Jay, we might run into this issue. You might have to be a second time guest because there is so much more we need to talk about with, because sure. we just even scratched the surface on the mind. Oh yeah. And there's we're, like, and there's like, well, then what you do, and, right. and we can't even cover that today. So, right. so we're going to, we're, I, I want to go to the question of in your business today, mm -hmm. how are you measuring success? That's a great question. I, as you can, as you guys can probably already tell, I'm going to have a multi-step answer for this. I think it's that's a great question. And I think from, I can look at that from Jay, the entrepreneur, you know, Jay, the, the daily practitioner, and then Jay, the person who is, you know, who is just dead set on changing the industry that I'm a part of. And so, you know, I look at all those verticals and, and they all can kind of work together. Because if I just look at myself as the entrepreneur, Jay, like, the more successful I am, that means the more people that I'm touching, the more lives that I have in my in my sphere. And so that's one way to look at it. You, you can look at it from a financial metric. And then from a practitioner point, like from having a physical studio, one of my greatest ways to measure my success is how I change somebody's life, life or lives. And I've had several clients that have that have came to me like having to use a walker because they had a stroke. And then they leave my studio skipping across the parking lot, you know, and never needing that again. Like, so for me, that metric is so much more important than 
the dollar amount that that I accrued based on their success. And then I look at, you know, the the you know the radical obsession to try to cure obesity. And I measure that metric by, you know, how many people am I able to help lose the weight that they want to lose and then also help them keep it off. But even more important than that, it's have I am I able to change somebody's life on a daily basis? And that could be is something as simple as is is watching them start to develop and blossom into living a life of purpose and passion and and abundance and, and things of that nature where they're just a happier human than they were when they met me. Like that seems like a very simple metric and that's super hard. You know, there's I'm not going to get any awards for that. Like, oh, Jay helped a hundred people get a little happier today. Like nobody cares about that, like on paper. But for me, that's what's important because I know if I can do that for you, then everything else is just it's like again, weight loss will be a side effect of that. So I look at it in so many different ways. I'm obsessed with success. And for me, that means being able to make a positive impact on as many people's lives as I possibly can. And that's people that I get to physically see. That's people that I, that I have clients that live in Australia that I'll probably never see. But if I can do anything on a daily basis to make their life a little bit better, to make their life a little bit more, you know, just vibrant, then that's a win for me. I measure that as a metric of, and I'll be honest with you. I get to do this on a daily, I get, this is what I get to do for life. You know what I mean? Like, I don't work. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, people, I get up at three o'clock in the morning because I want to, not because I have to. People are like, why would you do that? And I'm like, why wouldn't I do that? Like, I'm jacked up. Like, I want to, I want to change the world. Like, I can't do that sleeping. And so that's how I measure my success is like every single day I get to get up and do this. And I get to, I don't know, you can probably tell I have passion and I get about this. I just got goosebumps that like, this is an opportunity and it's not an obligation. And I think if you can look at life as that, I'm winning. You know what I mean? The financial stuff takes care of itself. Like all the other, all the other metrics take care of themselves. If I'm living a life based on what I believe is an opportunity and I'm just looking for ways to be more abundant and looking for ways to, to change people's lives, like I can't lose. Okay. So you started now we're going to the habits and, and yeah. One of the habits you do already, you said, I get up at 3 a.m., right? And yeah. So that's one of the things you're doing on a consistent basis. What are What is maybe two or three key routines that you do every totally. single day or consistently yeah. that helps you keep that high energy level so you could perform at your best? I'm a systems guy. Like, I believe that businesses are predicated on systems. I believe relationships are predicated on systems. Like, I get in trouble for saying this sometimes, but... I treat my life as a business and or a system. I treat my relationships as a business. That sounds very like cold, but if you think about it, if I'm making more deposits into my relationship with my significant other and very few withdrawals, I'm going to have a thriving relationship. If I'm, if I'm making nothing but withdrawals and I'm not depositing, I'm going to go bankrupt. So it's a really easy way to look at it. I look at everything from a P&L, like a profit and loss statement, like Am I making more profit than I am loss? And so for me, everything is systematized. I eat the same food every day at the same time, at the same everything. And that sounds very boring, but I don't, I look at food as, as a fuel mechanism to get me to be able to do the next thing that I get to do. So I, I train every day. So I, I, I move my physical body in some capacity. I eat very clean and regimented. I, I believe in the, like a, the Jocko philosophy is discipline equals freedom. I am very, very disciplined 
90% of the time. But if we're going to have fun, I'm going to have a blast. Like, I'm going to be your guy. Like, we're going to go and we're going to have a great time. You're going to be like, Jay, can you eat that? And I'll be like, I eat anything I want. Because 90% of the time, I'm, I eat very regimented. I don't even call it strict. It's just what, how I like to eat. But if we're having fun, Jay's having fun. I'm all in on everything that I do. Whether it's, bit, I don't believe in balance. And that sounds crazy to some people. Like, I believe success, the most successful people I know are not balanced. They are radically imbalanced. But if you look at my life, I'm, I'm so out of balance, but I am loving every single second of it. And I think there's a difference there. When you're out of balance and you're hating things, that's the wrong kind of imbalance. I'm out of balance because I'm choosing to be, because I get to do this. I get to be fired up. I get to talk to people. I get to go train people. I get to, to do this. And so for me, it's about systems. And I know I, it's a simple way of saying that, but I get up at the same time every day. I eat at the same time. I work out at the same time. I, I walk twice a day because it's good for my brain. It's like, I just do these systematic things every single day. I go to bed at the same time. I'm just really regimented. And this is going to sound crazy. I'm regimented, but I'm unbelievably flexible. And it goes back to that discipline equals freedom. If something comes up that I want to do, my answer can always be yes, because I've, I've, I've done enough. I had a coach in high school that used to say preventive maintenance. And I'll never forget it. I was a kid when he said it. But what he meant was, and now as an adult, I really get it. It's like preventive maintenance is being prepared, like doing all the things ahead of time so that when the chaos comes, there's no chaos. It goes back to what I said earlier about like, I, I will be the calmest person in the room in a chaotic situation because I've prepared for that situation. And so it won't be chaos for me. And so that's kind of how I live my life. It's just, it sounds, sounds boring, but I'm loving it. So I'm having a great time. It's awesome. Jay, are you open to be on a second time? Absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, I know there's, I talked a lot and we, there's so much we could just unpack and go for it. Absolutely. I will. Okay. So I'm going to hold off some of the questions I'd love to ask in the okay. end for our second, second one, but there, there is so much more I want to unpack. I mean, I'm really curious about the actual routines yeah. you typically help out with individuals with. Um, I'm interested in more of the business side and also even yourself on the personal side going deeper on that. Cause I, it's, it is a complete integrated cycle for you, which I yes. think is amazing. And I love to see, I love to see your energy on a consistent basis. Thank you so much for part one. Uh, Jay, thank um, you. Success podcast, and and uh, to everyone else who's listening, I said this is going to be our part one. We're going to have a part two that to go on a little bit later. Um, Jay, how can right now between now and the next one, how can people connect and learn more about you? Yeah, the easiest way is probably to go to my website. So it's thriveforeverfit.com. So the word thrive, the word forever, the word fit.com. And that's where all my social media is, my books and anything you can, anything you want to know about me, you'll be able to find there. Or you can just Google Jay Nixon and I'll pop up. Awesome. Jay, thank you so much for being a guest you. on the Measure Success Podcast. And to everyone else who's listening, thank you for being, a, for listening. We Appreciate all that you do and consistently providing ratings to us as we continue to grow and wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.